Well, today we're starting a new series called Revealed. And in this series, we are going to look at what were some of the things that Jesus revealed about himself? What were some of the things that Jesus revealed about his plan, about who he was, about his power? And also, what what were the things that he revealed about us? Uh, What was his future plan for us? And so this is going to be a great series for those of you that maybe um, have never thought about, well, what was it about Jesus that makes him the one that we need to turn to? Why is Jesus the only one who can save us from our sins? And, And why is Jesus the one that we worship? Why is Jesus considered the Son of God? And so often we talk about Jesus being the head of the church and, and Jesus being the name that is above every name. Why? Why, why, do we, why do we believe those things? And so through this series revealed, we are going to talk about these things that, that Jesus revealed about himself, that, that scripture reveals about who he is. And I believe this is going to be an incredible series for all of us. This month, I just want to warn you, if you're not a doctrinal, or if you're not a doctrine, or if you're not a theologian, uh, this month may at times feel a little bit overwhelming, because what we're going to do is we're going to do a lot of theology this month. But sometimes in order to grow, you have to dig in a little bit, and you can't just have inspirational sermons in the sense of, yay, we're awesome, and God is awesome. Sometimes you got to dig in and say, Why? Why do we believe the things that we believe? And, and this month is going to be one of those months. And so we're going to start off this morning looking at what did Jesus reveal about himself? One of the most controversial topics is the deity of Christ. And we'll unpack that in a little bit. This topic, though, lies at the very heart of our faith. Our faith rests on God, on Jesus being God in human form. The deity is the Latin word for Deus, which means God. And so when we talk about the deity of Christ, we're talking about the Godhood of Jesus. Jesus was God. When a per- person believes in the deity of Christ, he is saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is God, not was God. Not, you know, was a good man, not was a, you know, a good prophet, not was an angel. No, Jesus is God. And so we're celebrating that because he revealed that about himself. And and so what we need to realize today when we talk about the deity of Christ, we're saying that Jesus Christ came into this world as God. Because there are some other religious beliefs out there that say that he was just a good man. So he's a great man to follow as an example because he did a lot of great things. Other people would say, well, he was a great prophet who brought us a new revelation about God. And all of those are not true. Jesus is God. Jesus was God while he was here on earth. Even though he was fully man, he was also fully God. And so today we're going to unpack the deity of Christ. And so if you brought your Bibles with me, unless you are like the winner of all spelling drills, I mean not spelling, the Bible drills, you know the ones where you say, this, boom, you're there instantly. If that's you, you're going to have, you're going to have no problem keeping up. If you're still wondering where Luke is or where, you know, such and such a book is, you may want to just focus on the screen. We are going to dive through a lot of scripture because I want you to believe this today, not because I say so. I want you to believe this today because in scripture, we see so much of what Jesus revealed about himself. And so we're going to spend most of our time in the 
Um, New Testament today, we're going to spend all our time actually in the New Testament today because that's where Jesus reveals um, this about himself. And we're going to wrap up at the end by talking about the implications. Ultimately, at the end of the sermon, we got to ask the question, so what? And so I'm going to give implications that are key for why it is important that we believe that Jesus is God. How do we know that Jesus is God? Well, we may have just always believed that. Or all of a sudden, we may find ourselves in a place where someone challenges that. So how do we know that Jesus is God? Now, the first thing I want you to understand is that Jesus nowhere goes in front of people ever and says, by the way, I am God. He, he does it in a roundabout way, but it is very clear. However, he makes many, many statements that would be extremely inappropriate for him to make if he wasn't God. And we're going to look at a lot of those today. Jesus made some very prerogative claims about himself. And by doing so, he was saying that he ex- had the exclusive right, that he had the privilege, and that he had the power to make these claims. These are not just, you know, some gentle, you know, suggestions. Jesus makes these prerogative claims saying, this is what I am. This is who I am. And let's take a look at those. The first claim that he makes is the claim to be able to forgive sins, which resulted, of course, in a lot of charges of blasphemy. The people that were there were like, no, this can't be. In Mark chapter 2, verse 5, we read the story of when Jesus, the, the friend that was lowered in, in front of Jesus for healing. And what does Jesus say to this guy? Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees who were there wondered aloud, Who can forgive sin but God? I love how the scripture sets this up because if they would have said, oh, he shouldn't be saying that. But they raised the question, who can forgive sin but God? To which Jesus basically says, exactly. Who can forgive sin but God? Only God can forgive sin. And then look at what he does in verse 9. He says, which is easier? Okay, this is the Pharisees. He's talking now to the Pharisees. These are the people who have just argued or raised the question, who can forgive sin but God? Then Jesus turns their argument or turns their question around and he brings it to them like this. He says, which is easier to, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now you have to understand the answer to that question is, Neither of those are easy, neither of those are, impo- neither of those are possible for a human being. So they've asked the question, who can forgive sin but God? To which they could also have asked the question, who can heal a person but God? So either one of these is going to result in proof that either Jesus is God or he is not. Because no human being on their own can go to someone and say, get up, Take your mat and go home. We don't have the authority. We don't have the power. Jesus continues. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. So he said to the man, verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And you know the story. The guy gets up. He takes his mat and he goes home. He does exactly what he was told to do. Jesus here proves that he has authority to forgive sin. 
which the Pharisees had just said was something that only God could do. So Jesus says, okay, I'm going to show you that I can forgive sin because it is both are impossible for a human to do. To forgive sin is impossible for a human to do, and to heal someone is impossible for a human to do. So that I know, you know that I have the authority and the power to forgive sin, I'm going to heal this guy. And I'm sure they should have put two, to two, two and two together immediately and said, if he can do that, then he can do this. Now the obvious obstacle would have been had this man not been healed. Had Jesus said to this man, get up, take your mat, go home, and the guy tries to get up and he can't, well that would have been evidence right there. If you can't heal him, you can't forgive him. But the man was clearly healed. He got up, and Jesus, it proved, clearly had the authority to forgive sin. And he proved this authority both over sickness and over sin. So one of the claims that Jesus makes, one of the things that he reveals is that he has the authority to forgive sin. He is God. Another claim that Jesus made is that he would be the judge of the world. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne and all the nations will gather before him, and he will separate the people from one, one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the groat. Jesus is saying here that one day he will sit on the throne and that he will be the judge. Certainly this is a claim that only God can make. No human being is wise enough, no human being is holy enough, pure enough to say, I'm going to be the judge of the world. Because certainly if I'm only human being, then I myself need to be judged. So Jesus is saying one day, because I'm God, I'm going to sit on the throne and I will judge all of humanity. What an incredible claim to his deity, saying that only, that is something that only God could do. He also claimed an unusual relationship with his father, with the father. So maybe just back up here a little bit, a little rabbit trail. You may be wondering, what, what's all this? Father, son, you know, what are we talking about here? We believe and we know that God is one being and three persons. So we have one God, but we have three persons of God. And, and this is a little um, confusing for some, time, some people sometimes. But it's very simple once you wrap your head around it. It's like we have God as one being, but then we have the Father um, person of God, we have the Son person of God, and we have the Holy Spirit person of God. All three are God. They, are, they play different roles. They have different um, ways that they interact with humanity. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Jesus came and died for our sin, and the Father sent the Son because of his love for humanity. They are all God. And so Jesus claims to have this in very, very close relationship, this unusual relationship with the Father. Now, if Jesus was only a man then he would have to talk about God the Father as we would talk about God the Father. But Jesus doesn't talk about God the Father in the same way. He talks about God the Father as if though they're equal. Again, proving that he is God. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says this, I and the Father are one. Capital F. I and God are one. John 14, verse 7. 
He's having this conversation with his disciples. Jesus has just informed them, I got to go. I'm going to leave you guys. I have to go. And, and so the disciples were really distraught, and they wanted to know, well, how are we going to do this without you? And how, why can't we go where you're going? And, and what's going on? And, and Jesus has this incredible conversation with his disciples. Because they want to know, where are you going? Verse 7, he says, If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, one of the disciples, asked this question. He says, Lord, show us the Father that we, and that will be enough for us. He's saying, okay, fine, you're going to the Father and, and you're one, but show us the Father. Look at Jesus' response. He doesn't say, okay, let me try to explain God to you. Let me try to draw a visual for you. Let me try to explain what he looks like. Let me try to explain what he is like. Look at what Jesus does in verse 9. He answered, Jesus answered, Do you not know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? It's almost as if Jesus is getting a little exasperated here and he's saying, guys, come on. After all this time, you need to know that when you see me, you see God. You see the Father. Why? Because we are one. Jesus also makes claims of his, pre, um, his pre-existence. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says, very, very truly, I say to you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was, I am. Now that statement, I am, it would not have been lost on the people who heard it that that was the very name that God gave to Moses. When Moses asked God, when I get to Egypt, who do I say sent me? And God said, I am that I am. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. So now Jesus is saying, before Abraham was born, I am. He's taking on the same name. And again, for the people who would have heard that would have been like, you're saying that you're God. They would have totally understood that. But maybe the greatest claim that we find on the deity of Jesus is found in connection with his trial. It was at his trial where people wanted to know, are you really who you say you are? Are you who people claim you are? Because they want to crucify him based on those very things. Jesus was charged with proclaiming to be the Son of God. In John chapter 19, verse 7, the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die. Look at why. Because he claims to be the Son of God. So these people are saying the reason he must die, the reason he needs to be crucified is because he claims to be God, and we can't have that because we only have one God. So these people are so convinced that Jesus is claiming to be God that they're willing to kill him for it. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 63, it says this, but Jesus remained silent. And again, he's, he's here being accused. The, fair, the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Look at the response of Jesus. Verse 64, you have said so, Jesus replied. But I, can so, but, I can, but I say to all of you, 
From now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Almighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. This is maybe the clearest declaration of His deity that we can find in the Gospels. Never once in His entire trial when they're saying, you say you're God, never once does Jesus say, no, 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 no. I don't claim to be God. I never said that. No, I'm being misunderstood. It's possible that had Jesus denounced being God, they may have let him go. But Jesus doesn't deny it. He never once denies the claim of being the Son of God. Millard Erickson says this, Jesus understood him to be himself as equal with the Father and as possessing the rights to do the things which only God has the right to do. Jesus understood that about himself. He understood that he had equal rights with the Father. So Jesus himself, what did he believe about himself? Jesus himself believed that he was God. What do some of the other writers say? Because you may say, well, we can't just look at Jesus himself. Even though I would say that's the greatest argument that we have because Jesus didn't only make claims like when they said, if you, you can't forgive sin, only, only God can forgive sin. Jesus didn't only make claims to do that. He always proved that he had the authority. He fulfilled all the prophecies. There's so many things that back up the claims of Jesus. But what are some of the other authors? What do some of the other writers of Scripture say? The book of John, which was written by John, the disciple of Jesus, strongly emphasizes the deity of Jesus all throughout his book. Look at how John starts the book of John. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John doesn't waste any time. He says right off the bat, Jesus is the Word. He was with God. He is God. And then later on he says, and now he is here with us. So John strongly believes that Jesus is God. The book of Hebrews also emphasizes the deity of Jesus. Look at how the writer of Hebrews starts his book. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. This is a person writing a lot with history in mind and in the Old Testament in mind, but look at how he now starts his book. In the past, okay, key words, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, Capital S. Whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. 
This writer is saying that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of God's being. And he wraps up and he says, Jesus wasn't just an angel. Jesus is superior to all the angels, as his name is superior to every name. So the author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is God. In the book of Colossians, Paul also makes a strong argument for the deity of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything, everything, He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul is arguing here and he's saying, who but God could do this? And Jesus is the one who did it, making it, again, evident to us that Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God, lives in bodily form. Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 11. Paul again makes a strong argument for the deity of Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, Philippians 2, verse 6 says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be, to, something to be used in his own advantages. In other words, he's saying, Jesus didn't come to this earth as God and say, now I want to be treated as God. I am God, but I'm not going to pull the God card on you. I'm going to, I'm going to be human with you. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to dwell with you. Even though you reject me, I'm not going to pull a God card and say, oh, i got to sit there because I'm God. you got to treat me this way because I'm God. And every time someone got mad, he didn't say, boom, I'm going to use this to my advantage. I'm going to make something happen because I want you to treat me almost in a selfish kind of way as God. I'm here to save you from your sins. And so Jesus humbled himself. He did not take on the image of God for his own advantages. He went through what he went through in order so that he could redeem humanity for their sins. Can you imagine being God and being spat on? Can you imagine being God and being argued with? Can you imagine being God and having people tell, me, tell you that, that you're blasphemy, that you're wrong, and challenging your authority? Just imagine what God could have all done. But Jesus did not do, he didn't pull a God, God card for his own advantage because he knew that he had to go through this. But just because he didn't, didn't mean, doesn't mean 
that he wasn't God. So what are the implications? I want to look at four quick implications that I think are important for you and I here today. First one is this. We now, because Jesus is God, we can have a real knowledge of God. Jesus told Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The Old Testament came bearing a message from God. Jesus is God. If you want to know the love of God, the holiness of God, the power of God, you need only look to Jesus. In the Old Testament, God appears as if he is distant. He seems unapproachable. He seems as if though he's too holy to even be close to. But in Jesus, we see God as someone who's willing to get into the mess of people's lives in order to draw them to himself. And so through Jesus, who is God, we can now have a real knowledge of God. You no longer need to wonder, what's God like? You just need to look at Jesus. He's loving, he's merciful. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. And he challenges little children to come close to him. He doesn't push people away. The second implication is that we now have redemption is available to all people. In the Old Testament, the people had to do yearly sacrifices for their sins. The death of Jesus, who is God, is sufficient for all sinners who have ever lived and for every sin that has ever been committed. Because it wasn't a finite human, but an infinite God who died. He was the perfect, holy sacrifice who could pay for the penalty of sin. Had Jesus only been a man, a human being would have been killed, but it wouldn't have been sufficient. It wouldn't have been enough because the only sacrifice that was enough for the sins of humanity was the, sin, uh, the, the, the sacrifice of a blameless, perfect lamb. And Jesus was that sacrifice. The redemption For sin, the redemption is now available for all people. Third, God and humankind have been reunited. It wasn't an angel or a human who came from God to us, but God himself crossed over the chasm created by sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, there was a divide. Adam and Eve used to dwell perfectly in unity with God. But then when sin entered the world, there was a divide. And God now crossed over that divide in his son, Jesus. In the Old Testament, prophets and angels would speak to the people on behalf of God. But now God himself dwelt and dwells among us. And finally, fourth, worship of Christ is appropriate. We've just sung songs here this morning, worshiping Jesus. If he was not God, we've all committed idolatry. But because Jesus is God, we can sing songs worshiping him. He is deserving of our praise, our adoration, and our obedience, as is the Father. Because Jesus truly is God. So there's the argument. There's some theology for you this morning. I want you to think about this for a moment. 
when you pray, or when you live your life and we talk about Jesus, are we talking about him as if he is God, or are we talking about him as if though he is just a name that we've become familiar with? I want us today to have a new appreciation for the name of Jesus. Jesus is not just some name that we have as a person who came to this earth and died. No, Jesus is God, sent by God in order to pay for the penalty of sin so that you and I could have a relationship with him for eternity. This Jesus who came and died for our sins, who came and died for my sins and your sins, is the one who will one day sit on the judgment seat and he will divide those who have embraced this forgiveness and those who have rejected it. So I challenge you, if you've never invited or if you've never embraced Jesus Christ for yourself, what will you do one day when you stand before him? Because this will be God, seated on the throne, looking at you saying, I died for you. This will be God who has the authority to divide who has the authority to call people out. This is God, Jesus, who at that time is going to say, I know you and I don't know you. And you and I are here today with all the evidence that we need that Jesus is God and Jesus is the one who came to die for the sins of humanity. Jesus is the one who has done all that can be done so that we have a way to have a relationship with, with God that our sins can be forgiven. And so if we're rejecting him today, we are not rejecting someone we'll never meet again. We are rejecting someone who will one day judge us. So hey, we're not going to have a closing song. Sorry, Paul. But maybe right now, some of you need to say, okay, then I need to get in with this Jesus guy. Because you're going to see him again one day. And you may think right now, well, what big deal? If I don't do this, I don't do this. But no, this Jesus you're rejecting here on earth is the Jesus who will one day look at you and say, you're in or you're out. Why? Because he is the one who died for you. And the Pharisees asked, who but God can forgive sin? And Jesus says, exactly. So that you know that I have the authority to do it, get up, walk. And when he did that, he immediately proved, I have authority to say, your sins are forgiven. So if you're here today and you have not embraced Jesus, you've not invited him and you've not allowed him to enter into your life and and to forgive you for your sins, then today you want to call on God, on Jesus, who has the authority to do that and say, forgive my sins. That's theology, and it has implications. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just believe this stuff or know this stuff and not worry about what it means for us? But it doesn't work that way. Because Jesus is God, when you reject to follow Jesus, you are rejecting to follow God. And so let's commit ourselves. And if you have never given your life to Jesus, I'm not here to beg, even though it sounds like I am. But I want you to experience Jesus as I've experienced him. As someone who rescues you from the pit of sin. 
Someone who gives you purpose and meaning again. Not someone to fear, not someone who's like, oh, now I'm going to have this thing lording over me and ruining my life. Oh, he'll ruin your life. But he'll do it in a good way. So if you've never responded to Jesus, maybe today is the day where you say, I'm not just rejecting God. I'm not, sorry, I'm not just rejecting a name Jesus. I am rejecting God himself, the very one who will one day sit on the throne and say, you're in or you're out. And that time, I want him to see me and I want him to know me because I've given my life to him. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you so much for your presence here with us this morning. And Lord, this theology stuff, sometimes we can get caught up on wording and and as I think through what I've said, I know I didn't quite say things the way I was supposed to, but Lord, I pray that the key thing that happens right now is that there'd be a realization and it would stir our hearts that God came to us. To the very people who walked away from him, the very people who rejected him, you came to us to draw us to yourself. So Father, if there's someone here right now and they have not surrendered their life to you, Holy Spirit, I pray, would you move in them that today they would say, okay, I'm embracing Jesus. I want in. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us and for dwelling on this earth and for dying so that we could be redeemed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.